Welcome to Right Spokane Perspective with your host, Tim. And Shannon. It's opinion, fact, information, and your alert system. Stay tuned and enjoy the show. And welcome to Right Spokane Perspective on this Macho Man Monday. Well, actually, we'll call it a Manly Monday episode here on Right Spokane Perspective. You know, we still don't have Shannon back with us. She's still caring for those loved ones. And um, I I neglected to use this time in the studio to talk about women's issues. But I got to talk about man's issues, too. So I think some of the man issues are really about some women's issues too. We're going to jump into that after I do a little bit of inspiration here. I've got a couple devotions and I don't want to just do one today because I think men have to look really closely at scripture and seek wisdom before we just jump out there and be macho and manly. So we're going to jump in. This one is called Stand Strong, 2 Timothy 4, 1 through 8. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. 2 Timothy 4.7 Andrew Carroll has been urging people not to throw away letters written by family members or friends during war times. Carroll, director of the Center for American War Letters, says, Younger generations are reading these letters, asking questions, and saying, Now I understand what you endured, what you sacrificed. When Paul was imprisoned in Rome and knew his life would soon end, he wrote a letter to a young man he considered a son in the faith. Timothy, Paul opened his heart to him. The time for my departure is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day. 2 Timothy 4, 6-8 When we read the letters in the Bible from heroes of the Christian faith and grasp what they endured because of their love for Christ, we gain courage to follow their example and to stand strong for those who come after us. And I think that's important to stand strong for those who come after us and for those that we're supposed to stand for now. And that's why I'm going to read another passage here called Strength of a Man, 1 Corinthians 16, 9-13. Be on your guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be courageous. Be strong. 1 Corinthians 16, 13. Some years ago, I found myself in an elevator with a couple of men. It was late at night, and we all looked weary. The elevator stopped, and a larger-than-life cowboy ambled in, wearing a battered hat, an old, stained sheep coat, and run-down logger boots. He looked us up and down and growled, Good evening, men. All of us straightened up and squared our shoulders. We were trying to live up to the name. Let's talk about living up to the name man. We try to be strong and macho, but often it's just a facade. Underneath the bravado, we harbor a host of fears, insecurities, and shortcomings. Much of our manliness is pure bluff. Paul was man enough to admit it. We are weak, he said in 2 Corinthians 13.4. That's a humbling fact. Yet Paul also insisted that we are to be courageous, 1 Corinthians sixteen thirteen. How can we be the strong men God meant us to be? Only by putting ourselves in God's hands and asking him to make us that way through his power and enablement. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this Manly Monday. And Lord, give the men in our community strength to serve you, to serve their family, and to stand strong, to stand firm on righteous beliefs, 
and stand up against those who desire to create fear in a man's heart and mind and also subjugate a man's family and offspring. In Jesus' name, amen. So Manly Monday and talking about women's issues. Kind of a weird twist, I think, to a little bit of of this today because I think some of the men's issues are women's issues. Most men want their family to be safe. And on this show, we talk a lot about how government spends money and public safety and things like that. And I don't think there's anything that angers a man more than having his family or, or him feeling that his family is less safe. And that's, that's why I want to remind everyone today that the legislature is officially in session. And there's a supplemental budget coming to the House floor. There's a supplemental budget going to the Senate and a supplemental budget that's been proposed by the governor that maybe should have some tweaks in there. And we've talked about it on the show before about, I think it was like $64 million that the governor wanted to spend on the fentanyl crisis. And of course, this drug epidemic has left almost no community, no family unscathed. Lots of people have lost their lives. Lots of people have lost their futures over the drug addiction and the drugs that are flowing into our state from other countries. And the supplemental budget that has $64 million for the opioid crisis only has like $2 million being spent on the enforcement side of things, but it's not even enforcement. In what I've read, it was tracking drug trafficking because, of course, like the Spokane County, we didn't build another jail. We didn't vote to build another jail. So how do they arrest more drug traffickers, right? So maybe what our state supplemental budget needs to look at with its spending is not throwing a bunch of money into environmental causes. What about the environment that our family lives in? They shouldn't be spending only $2 million out of the $64 million in the opioid crisis for tracking drug traffickers. We should be looking at the supplemental budget on how do we backfill local governments so they can put teeth into the laws to stop the drug trafficking that is one of the root problems of the public safety issues that concern us, concern our wives, concern our children. Why can't we just let the children go outside and play? Why do our wives not want to go downtown? Why do they feel uncomfortable at night going to their car after leaving a a meeting or after church? The crime around the drug epidemic is part of that. So the legislature is in session, folks. This is our opportunity. I'd encourage both men and women to take this opportunity to talk to their legislators. How are they spending this money? Have we seen the programs that the government has funded when it comes to the opioid epidemic? Have they worked? Do we have less drug use in our communities? Do we have less crime? Do we have less theft? Do we have less assaults? I don't think we do. I think we've seen a track record of less law enforcement, less jail beds, less spending on law enforcement, more spending on programs, what we see is our children less safe. At least we feel they're less safe. We feel that the women in our lives, whether it's a grandmother, a mother, someone that lives alone maybe, we feel they're less safe. And the legislature should hear from us, and we should be manly men willing to stand up and say, you do the crime, you do the time. We need laws to be enforced. We talked 
on Friday about fireworks. And obviously, we saw on New Year's Eve, they're not enforcing those laws very well. But of course, those are just fines. But we're kind of seeing that happen now with the opioid crisis. There's not even fines. In fact, what we're doing uh, over the last couple of years is we're funding more and more into the opioid crisis that seems to be exacerbating the problem. We're putting money into programs that aren't working, that aren't getting people off of drugs, and definitely are not stopping the flow of the narcotics into our communities to where we're now warning children that, you know, it could look like a piece of candy, but turn out to be a fatal amount of fentanyl. It's time for men to stand up. It's time for men to be manly, stand with our wives, and send the legislature a message. This supplemental budget better not just supplement the spending in the growing opioid crisis. It should supplement the enforcement of laws to stop the crisis by enforcing the laws that we used to enforce that said, you're dealing poison in our community. You're going to jail. We're not tracking you. We're not going to enroll you in program number 35 that you've done. We're going to enforce the law and there's going to be penalties. That's what the supplemental budget should do. That's what the men and women in the legislature should be looking at with the supplemental budget is how they best use the dollars they've taken from us to handle the number one concern of men and women in the community. That's the safety of their wives and their children. And it seems to me that the legislature has taken on a macho facade that they don't have to really address those concerns. They can continue doing what they've done and further handcuff our law enforcement, further diminish the ability for law enforcement to actually do its job because law enforcement gets frustrated. They keep arresting the same folks over and over again. And it's not just law enforcement. It's also our medical community. I went to the hospital several months back and I thought I had a serious issue uh, with pain in my side. And they thought, oh, man, your gallbladder, you, you know, I was in extreme pain. It actually was pneumonia that got out of control, of course, COVID. And the infection moved into other areas. And so while I'm in the hospital, I had an experience that I, I really didn't realize. I mean, I knew some of the problem was there, but I didn't realize to what extent the problem was there until talking to a few of the people in the emergency room. And this was months back. But the problem hasn't changed, and, and, it, and it didn't just start up yesterday either. And so we, we've got to address these issues head on. We have to stand strong, men and women, and hold people accountable, whether it's ourselves in engaging with our government or our government doing their primary tasks. I'm going to talk about my experience in the ER and some of the things that we should be doing to make sure that we start solving problems instead of subsidizing them. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. Thank you to all the listeners that listen to the show so we can all stay informed on what's going on here on the Right Spokane Perspective. We also want to thank all those who contribute to keep us on the air. All those contributions go directly to the cost of our airtime and production of Right Spokane Perspective. Again, you can help us out by going to rightspokaneperspective.com and contributing also make those checks payable to Right Spokane Perspective, LLC, 
Send them to P.O. Box 7620-99207. We appreciate all those contributions to keep us on the air. Also, this year, we're looking at maybe having local businesses. That's right, local businesses that are conservative, Christian, common-sense-minded businesses that want to advertise to you, the listeners out there. We also like to help listeners find those good small businesses that we can support. Again, rightspokaneperspective.com. Right Spokane Perspective, LLC, P.O. Box 7620-99207. Back to the show. And welcome back to this Macho Man or Manly Monday episode. Because the Macho Man is just the facade, is the inspiration at the beginning of the episode, obviously pointed out, because the Macho Man facade really melts away when it's time to tell the truth about how things really are. And that's one of the things men have problems with. We tell these fish stories, right? The fish was that big and he just got away. Well, don't have the evidence to prove it. So no more fish stories. Men need to be manly and seek the truth. And as we went off into the break, I wanted to tell you the truth about my weakness. And, of course, men oftentimes are the biggest crybabies when we get sick. And I actually, you know, trying to be macho, Held it off. I was like, yeah, no, kind of chest hurts and, you know, not feeling good. And I, I got to go to work, man. I, I, I can't take any time off of work because I've got some time that I need to take with the family. And I, I can't take the time off now. So I got sick and uh, continued to go to work. And the pain was just excruciating. But I wanted to get to work one more day. And uh, the wife said, nope, not happening. You're going to the hospital. Go to the hospital and in the ER, it's just full of people. Like, it's, it's over full. It, it, pro- like our jail that's over full. You, you know, basically people standing in the hallways at this point. So I'm in the hallway, and I see other individuals getting cared for in the hallways because of how overcrowded the, uh, overcrowded the ER was. And talking to the hospital staff, you know, like, is it always like this? You guys always this, you know overcrowded where you I mean you're triaging people in the hallways and they said oh yeah yeah this is kind of regular and I said well why is this such a a, a regular thing and they're like well we have our regulars I'm like your regulars oh yeah same you know people coming in and either trying to get more painkillers or whatever or they're coming in because they took too many drugs or they're coming in because they're just overusing the ER. And, and I said, well, gosh, that's gotta be a huge cost. And in fact, it is, it is actually a huge cost, not just the taxpayers through the state subsidies to these ER rooms to subsidize folks that have no ability to pay for this healthcare, but it's also, there's the human cost as well, because of course, some of that problem in the ER room has to do with drug use. So we go back to this being a man and, and macho, and I wasn't willing to bow a knee to this ailment I was facing. So instead of dealing with it earlier on, it put me into an emergency situation. And I think that that's been the problem for a long time in our community, in our country, is that we spent too much time being macho and not enough time being manly. The manly side of me would have said, I can't get this sick because then it's going to cost me an ER bill that takes months to pay off. Manliness would have said, the wisdom is, 
let's let's do this right. Address the problem. Don't ignore it. So that my family didn't have those bills coming in the mail for the ER visit. But the ER visit did give me that opportunity to see what the macho mentality of our legislature and their policy has done to the community through the lens of the ER nursing staff. It's created a budgetary crisis. It's put a whole bunch of people in the emergency room because we have a drug epidemic that again, they're going to pass a supplemental budget that I think is going to just flood the epidemic marketplace. And we're not going to see a reduction because we have programs that create revolving doors. We have a criminal justice system that creates a revolving door and it creates industries around the continuation of the problem. So we've got to talk to our legislature again, Session starts today. They're going to be considering all these things. We're going to go to the, you know, legislative hotline at 1-800-562-6000 between now and March. And we're going to be manly and stand up for our communities, for our families, and be represented. There's no reason why the legislature should continue to spend the amount of money they do. Of course, we complain about taxation, but how is that taxation being turned into the government that we're funding, actually trying to solve problems. Not serve agendas, not talking points, solve problems. Much of the problem in our justice system is the plethora of hindering laws, not just for law enforcement and prosecutors, but judges on holding people accountable. It's to the point where the law-abiding citizen that's a victim of crime has less laws protecting them than the criminal has laws protecting them. It's our legislature's obligation to serve the best interests and represent the people in their district. And it's time for us to stand up and and demand that they do it. I know that we've spent the last week talking about issues just with me on the show. That's why I'm using this opportunity because I'm thinking Shannon's going to be back. We're going to be covering a lot more articles and I'm excited that we're going to be doing a lot of interviews. And I think that this year we do need to focus on interviews that don't just bring us to issues, but to solutions. And of course, politicians, they all just got elected uh, two years ago for the legislature and our local elections were just this last year. And they campaigned on all sorts of promises that they were going to solve these problems. And, of course, problems aren't going to have an ultimate. The human condition doesn't have an ultimate solution. There's always going to be issues that need addressed. But we're looking now at massive amounts of money that has been going into, and their plans are to spend even more on these issues, but the problems have gotten worse. Had I gone to the ER and expected that I was going to have thousands of dollars to pay in the emergency room and my problem was only guaranteed to get worse, like with what we're spending on government, I wouldn't have gone to the ER room. I just, you know, sought out another solution. So our, our government needs to quit the emergency management and quit acting like they're, they're putting money into programs that work. When we have the data, we have the studies that dollar for dollar, these programs are not working. Don't pass the supplemental budget until you make changes to it. 
don't put more money into the drug epidemic if there's not going to be any accountability for the money that's being spent. I know last week we had Cindy Zapataki on the show. She was talking about a bill that uh, local legislator Jenny Graham is working on to look at the spending in the homelessness programs and auditing them because obviously all that money spent didn't reduce the amount of homelessness. And I know that the current mayor that we now have campaigned with a slogan of there's a better way. And I think that uh, there is a better way. I'm not sure that she has it in mind because she's created all these committees. She's been in politics for decades. I think that there could have been more specifics on the better way. I know that there was ideas, but creating more programs and spending more money, maybe the better way is spending less money, maybe putting less money into subsidizing substance abuse and creating actual accountability would be the way to do it. So great audit the homelessness spending because we know a big portion of that is addiction and tell your legislators, don't pass the supplemental budget if there's not going to be enforcement and oversight for the amount of money they're spending. When you see 2% of the money spent on a problem being accountability, you know there's already an accountability problem in our government if they're going to spend $64 million and only $2 million is spent on accountability. I think we got a problem, and it's not a revenue problem. It's not that they don't have enough money to solve the problems. If you can spend two and $300,000 annually per homeless person, I think there's enough money to actually solve problems. Now we just need the incentive coming from us, manly, standing strong families, men and women standing up to government saying, no, you're not going to continue to spend this money. We are not going to elect you this next election cycle. You're not going to have our votes. We're not going to tell our friends to vote for you. If you pass a budget, a supplemental budget, that doesn't solve the problems that we're concerned about. If our neighborhoods don't become safer, if our children can't go outside to play because the park's too dangerous, because there's people drugged out camping in our parks, we're not going to vote for you if our wives don't feel like going to the stores after dark. Of course, I think we're at the point now where most people don't feel safe, and so they all come home when the street lights come on. But that's not practical. You know, going back to the ER, that staff works odd hours. Many people in the community work odd hours. The reality is that we just need a plane, have the law enforced and our government budgets designed to reduce the amount of victims that are being created in our community today. And I think that that has been maybe a result of too much of the male population being macho instead of manly. Because, of course, we can't always protect our families because we're not always there. What we need is a safer community, and we need to be manly and stand up to the lawmakers and tell them they're not getting our family's vote if they don't vote to increase public safety. And maybe that was somewhat already done last election. Maybe the people of Spokane County weren't willing to raise just a 0.02% sales tax to build more jail space and to fund more police officers Because those men and women, voters, knows the government already has the money to do it. They just have to prioritize how they spend the money they're already taking from us. 
because they're taking record dollars from the citizenry, but they're putting all the money in places that don't increase public safety. But when you read the polling, when you read the surveys about what people care most about, the number one or number two thing is almost always public safety. So that's what our representatives at the city level, at the county level, and the state level should be focused on. Maybe the county commissioners that wanted to see more jail space and more law enforcement, maybe they need to go to the legislature and tell them also how to use the supplemental budget to accomplish that. Maybe the governor won't see it that way. Maybe the current majority in the legislature won't see it that way. But I honestly think if we don't start standing strong, being genuinely active citizens and saying, we're already being overtaxed, you start solving problems, or we want to give you less money because you're not doing the basic necessities of government. So that's where our legislature, I think today, the beginning of the legislative session, they need to know from the citizens, and that's up to you. Now, this is, this is my opinion. I, I think they need to know that we're not interested in paying any more taxes for any more anything until they can do some of those fundamental things that government's supposed to do better because they've got record monies to spend, and the focus is not solutions. They're just Band-Aids to continue the problem. And uh, they're all going to be on the ballot this year. So this is an opportunity for us to stand up and tell the legislature to look at the supplemental budget and tell us with a straight face that $2 million of law enforcement out of the $64 million that they're going to spend is an appropriate dollar amount if they're looking for accountability and solutions to the problem. Anyways, we're going to be back again tomorrow. I think we're going to have Shannon back, which will be great. All that being said, we'll be with you again tomorrow. shine bright and it would be shining still but they all started turning on each other mm. you see the poets thought the dancers were shallow and the soldiers thought the poets were weak and the elders saw the young ones as foolish and the rich man never heard the poor man speak and one by one they ran away with their made-up minds to leave it all behind And the light began to fade in the city on the hill The city on the hill Each one thought that they knew better That they were different by design Instead of standing strong together let their differences divide And one by one they ran away With their made-up minds to leave it all behind And the light began to fade In the city on the hill The city on the hill And the world is searching still 
was the rhythm of the dancers that gave the poets life. It was the spirit of the poets that gave the soldiers strength to fight. It was the fire of the young ones. It was the wisdom of the old. It was the story of the poor man that made it to be told. It is the rhythm of the dancers that gives the poets life. It is the spirit of the poets that gives the soldiers strength to fight. It is the fire of the young ones. It is the wisdom of the old. It is the story of the poor man that's needing to be told. One by one, we'll be run away with our made up minds to leave it all behind as the light. Begins to fade in the city on the hill. You have been listening to Right Spokane Perspective. We are sponsored by Right Spokane Perspective LLC and made possible by advertisers you hear and contributions from listeners like you.